This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 52 of Jurassic Park. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. Yeah. Doing, doing really good. Just, you know... Um you know, just anticipating the winter doldrums that we're about to enter into. Since, the uh, January season? Yeah, January through, I don't know, early March. When, yeah. you know, Christmas is over, New Year's is over, so all you have left to deal with is cold weather. The cold weather, and, you know, it's it's a rough three months there, really. Uh, January, February, and March. I mean, there is some fun stuff that happens. Of course, we have Valentine's Day, Mardi Gras, the... That's it. And pretty yeah. much no good movies released. You know, like this is kind of the dumping grounds for the next three months where all the stuff that the studios had no faith in comes out. Every now and then you'll yeah. get something kind of cool that comes out. But sometimes you have like a, a great movie that came out over the Christmas break that you can kind of watch a few more times if it's really good into the next year. Uh, as we've seen with the Lord of the Rings movies and Avatar, Christmas and the holiday season can be a very, very lucrative time to release a film because there's not a lot of competition. Families are together. You're looking for something to do. If you have like a family friendly uh, movie, you could release it in that window and make a lot of money so let's talk about something fun yeah let's talk about jurassic park talk about jurassic park all right let's get into minute number 52 in the previous minute we saw ellie and jerry talk about what it could be that was making the dinosaurs in the park sick as the minute ended ellie went off to look for a source to the triceratops ills at minute number 52 ellie continues to look around for a reason that the dinosaurs are getting sick every six weeks she looks down at a plant and asks jerry if what she is seeing is west indian lilac Jerry confirms and states that they know that they are toxic, but the animals do not eat them. Ellie picks up a handful of seeds and asks Jerry if he is sure. Jerry says that he's pretty sure. Ellie states there's only one way to be positive. Ellie says that she needs to see the dinosaur's droppings. Malcolm asks her if she indeed said dino droppings. At 52.28, we cut to a weather mapping program shown on a storm tracker over Isla Nublar. As the camera pans over, we see Hammond, Ray, and Muldoon watching the weather's progress. Muldoon is on the phone. He says, I understand. Muldoon tells Hammond that the storm center hasn't dissipated or changed course. Muldoon tells Hammond that they will have to cut the tour short and will have to pick up the next day. Hammond asks if he is sure. Ray tells Hammond that it is not worth the chance. Muldoon tells him that the storm has sustained winds at 45 knots. Hammond asks Ray to tell everyone when they get back to their cars. Ray steps aside and makes an announcement that the last shuttle leaves for the docks in five minutes. He tells everyone to drop what they were doing and leave now. Hammond says, damn. And thus ends minute number 52 of Jurassic Park. So, a uh, very cool thing about this this minute, it's only two camera shots the entire minute. That's right. They both yeah. last about 30 seconds apiece. So, we've got, uh, of course, the shot here at the beginning where Ellie's looking down for the West Indian lilac berries and talking to Jerry. And then uh, we have the shot of Hammond, Ray, and uh, Muldoon in the control center there. So, yeah. um, we were talking earlier before the show started about Steven Spielberg's way of shooting movies and that he loves long takes. Yeah. And about how nobody really packs as much information into the camera as Spielberg does. And you can go... Take a look, and that goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, there's the sequence in Jaws where Chief Brody is on the ferry, and the mayor catches up to him and is like, look, why, why are you going and running your mouth like this? It is one shot that lasts several minutes, a lot of dialogue unpacked, a lot of different uh, you know, character growth that we're seeing, and it, and it is one shot, but it kind of almost feels like multiple shots because the uh, landscape in the background is changing as the ferry turns. Right. So it's interesting that he uses that, too. It's not one of these, like... 
Oh, I'm trying to think of an example of a director who puts that, who does that. And it's just like, Hey, look at me, look at everything. Look at this. Look at my interesting, unique thing. And Spielberg just kind of does it because it's the best way to do it. And it's still subtle. Yeah. And yeah. this is a, this is a good example of that. And that's a great observation on an early use of that technique. You remember in war of the worlds, there's a scene where they're trying to drive out of New York city and the cameras like whipping yeah, around yeah. the car, going through the car that always blew my mind. How he did that? And he, there's even a shot in Tintin where the camera, uh, did you see Tintin? Yeah, I did. So there, it's a, like at the very end of the movie, they're, I think, at a tank, or there's a tank following them, and the camera's like going around their car and through buildings and back to them. And even though that's a CG movie, it's got to take a lot of work to have the characters in mocap, have the camera be, be whipping around them, then move virtually, and then come back yeah. to them as far as performance This is goes. this thing we've, we've talked about recently that I call the camera on the rope, and I'm not a fan of it at all. Yeah. At all, and I hate the distraction. Yeah, sure, I'm wowed by the fact that the camera's, you know... Oh, God, going from like, you know, 60 feet in the air through the passenger window, out the other window and, and all this. And this, I have no idea what's going on in the story. I can't pay attention to any dialogue because it's just someone saying, look at me, look at my camera. And I'm not saying that. So, OK, World of the Worlds benefited from that. It needed that style. Baz Luhrmann films need the kind of style, the camera work and whatnot that he puts into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still distracting as hell for me. And the Baz Luhrmann thing's a bad example because I like Baz Luhrmann. But um, in the case of... Spielberg going from like the sequence that we're watching right here where there's just two camera movements to something where his camera's just all over the damn place. Yeah, yeah. I I miss old Spielberg. I really do. Yeah. I miss the subtlety. So, you know, I was looking up West Indian Lilac before this started, and I have a few more notes on that for the next minute, but uh, I was trying to see where exactly in the world it grows. You can find it in the United States and like Florida, but also in like Caribbean climate. So it would be... Even though when you think of the Caribbean or the West Indies, that's more of like Barbados and it's kind of like east of where this movie takes place. This is kind of like off the coast of Costa Rica, but it's mm, kind of in the same latitude, longitude yeah. levels, you know, or I guess it'd be latitude levels. So it's it's possible that in the climate, you could get something like West Indian lilac brought over by a bird and dropped. So it, it makes sense that it could be there. So here's my thing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, why have it? Jerry says, you know, we know they're toxic, but the animals don't eat them. Why have it? Why have it? This is just another example of the Jurassic Park um, team being so irresponsible and just, you know, more just being unprofessional. Let's put this plan here because they look good. But I don't think they put it there. That's what I'm saying. It grows in the same uh, area, that like level of latitude of the world. It's possible that a bird could have flown over and dropped this around where Isla Nubar is. It's not really in Costa Rica Mm -hmm. so much it is, you know, it's in like the West, it's West Indies, which like Barbados and stuff like that. It's found in Caribbean islands and Costa Rica is kind of like right near the Caribbean. So it's plausible that it'd be there. But yeah, I agree with you. If they're putting something like that in there, because when I first saw this movie, I thought it was like an ancient leaf. Like, you know, there's a little bit of misinformation here earlier. Ellie pulls that leaf off and says, uh, this shouldn't be here. Right, right. And so when they refer again to a plant that's there, they probably need to make that distinction that, oh, by the way, this isn't like the plant you talked about earlier, plant lady, that uh, an extinct plant that we're bringing back. This is one that's naturally occurring in this, this environment. And this is also one of those little reminders of who Ellie is, why she is here, what is her career of choice, you know, the, the botanist. Right. And it's just like, okay. You know, I, and I have some more notes that, about the West Indian lilac that I want to come back to in a few minutes. Sure, but yeah. uh, it's still something that just kind of, I don't know, why the hell is it there? But um, so we also get the, the clock, the ticking clock that we keep talking about, which is just yeah. getting faster and faster and faster. And now it's, you know, Ray says, everybody leave for the shuttle. It's leaving in five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave right now. Yeah. And so I guess that's everybody is just kind of going home for the weekend. All the employees are going to get on the shuttle, go home for the weekend. 
And then my question is, if Ray and Muldoon and Nidri are staying behind, do you think they have lodging there? Well, I know in the book it was they made a great deal to talk about Hammond's bungalow, bungalow that yeah. was there. Yeah. So I'm assuming that they have some sort of dormitories or housing for people, but they really should have it for a lot. Of, I mean, if it's a zoo with gigantic man-eating dinosaurs on it, yeah. and you're going to have guests stay there, you should probably have a lot. But of course, we're still in the area where they're putting the park together. So it's plausible that they do have That's to true. get people off the island, that they're not having people stay there overnight. But you would think that probably Muldoon, Ray, uh, Hammond would probably have some sort of place where they stay on. And, and I, I think in the book it also talks about how Wu had his bungalow, Dr. That Wu. That would make sense, too. But they, you know, everybody drop what you're doing and leave now. Not only speeds up this clock, but it just increases the claustrophobia that we're feeling. Because now you have maybe 10 people total on this island. Yeah. And half of them are in this room with us right now. And mm-hmm. so we're all screwed. Yeah, yeah, but it's you're, you're starting to get the the, uh, the claustrophobia. Everything's kind of getting smaller and mm-hmm. smaller and closed off. And I think this movie does the ticking clock so well because, like you said, you're just you're hinted at it every now and then. And right now, race says five minutes. And as we close out the next minute, we're going to see the thunder starts to clap. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, and I think you actually start to hear a little bit of the rumble and the thunder in the next minute. But so Muldoon says that the uh, first off, I've called this storm a hurricane. And it is not a hurricane. Right, uh, yeah. Muldoon says 45 knots, which mm-hmm. equals 51 miles an hour. It's, okay. I think, a hurricane 74. Uh, that sounds about right. And, a cat one. And yeah. to give you an idea, Hurricane Katrina, which hit just around us, uh, was at 170, I think it was 174 miles an hour. Yeah. So I don't know what that translates to in knots, but well, so this, I think that makes when Hurricane Katrina storm. hit New Orleans, it was a Category Three storm. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's the big one." It's like, no, it was not the big one. It just hit at the right level to cause the significant amount of damage to the levees that it did. But uh, if you think of something like on an island like this, the winds are coming in at fifty-one miles an hour, yeah. uh, and you've only got three people on there, it's going to bring down a significant amount of trees and limbs and stuff like that. I hope to God they have chainsaws where they can start sawing that stuff up because roads are going to be inaccessible. You know. It it would it might be weeks before they could get a crew out there to help them out you yeah, know you've got a real. feeble old man you know a computer programmer and then this you know, hard up Aussie you know uh, it uh, they, they could be in a really bad situation they might have to start eating uh, brontosaurus pretty soon yeah. you know? so here's the thing uh-huh. one of the things I like so much about this movie is that sense of claustrophobia that it builds you've got just your handful of people who work there maybe what four employees total mm-hmm. who are staying behind and then your guest in the book, they mentioned that there's still a lot of staff, a lot of employees still on the island, right. which just made it so less special. And I think at one point, um, somebody's running, running around the complex, and they see like some of the other employees just walking along. Right, they may at one point in the book talk about how some of them were like getting lunch, and it just has such a casual feel to it. And I'm like, this is just not. It doesn't have that same. Uh, intensity that, right. that having fewer people does. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, then uh, Spielberg definitely, I mean, I'm, I don't know at what part of the script they were like, should we just have these number of people on here, but that was the right decision to make, you know, to make yeah, everything absolutely. feel smaller and, and more dire, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I have for this minute. That's pretty much all I have, too. Just that note on the West Indian lilac, really, which, oddly enough, will carry over into the next minute, so <laughs> we'll talk about that then. So, ready to get out of here, Brady? Let's do it. Let's go eat some tacos. It's, uh, it's taco time, right? All right. Sure. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hang on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. Thank you. 
You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.